Revelation chapter 19 and verse 9. I will not be preaching today on the marriage supper of the Lamb, although that be a great topic to preach from. But we are going to start out here. And he saith unto him, he being an angel, an angelic presence, said unto him, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I, I being John, the revelator, the author of the book of Revelations, fell at the angel's feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Everybody say, Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I'd like to preach for just a few minutes here on the spirit of prophecy. And we'll dig deep later on about what that means. This might be a little bit teachy today, but I believe that the Lord is going to get the glory. Amen. Hallelujah, if we can, let's talk to the Lord, ask that he speak to us, that his presence would be here, that he would show us his will. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've done in me, what you're already doing in this place. I thank you for the presence of God throughout the song service. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for this dream, this warning, Lord God, that we need to teach our children. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would help me now to preach this sermon, Lord, to the best of my ability that I may be able to communicate it effectively. Lord, allow conviction to be here, but also encouragement. Lord, we give you all the praise, all the worship, all the glory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you give him some worship right now before we're seated? Can you give him some praise with your mouth? Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord Jesus, I praise you. Hallelujah, God. You are great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. The book of Revelations is, of course, full of prophecy. It is considered to be the book, the New Testament book of prophecy. We see many great visions that were given to John. As he wrote them down, he witnessed many great things in the Spirit. It is, of course, a great subject and a great book to study, to look into. I believe that we can find warnings for us today. We can also find encouragement and excitement for us today, specifically as the angel in this passage of Scripture is informing John about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Anybody excited about the marriage supper of the Lamb? 
Hallelujah. That is the celebration that after we arise and go back into heavens and he takes us out of here, the Bible says that we will enjoy a feast in the name of the lamb. Now, who was the lamb? It was Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. We will be given white robes reflecting the holiness of God, and we will feast at the supper of the lamb. It will be a celebration of the lamb. A celebration of what he's done, a celebration of who he was, a celebration of his sacrifice, a celebration for what he's done in us. Hallelujah. I know we do that already every Sunday, and I think that that's appropriate. Hallelujah. To celebrate Jesus and all he's done for us. Oh, but that day's going to be great. That day's going to be wonderful as we join together with every believer who's ever walked on the face of the earth and we begin to sing praises to the Lamb and we begin to recognize what He's done. Oh, how great is the Lord and how greatly to be praised is He. Hallelujah. So the angel is giving John these great revelations, a view of the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's no wonder that John felt so overwhelmed so overwhelmed the bible says that he fell at the feet of the angel and began to worship him the revelation of what is to come should move us into worship amen the revelation that jesus christ is coming back should make us excited It should make us clap our hands and lift our voice and dance and bow and whatever we, however we want to express it. It should make us want to worship. Hallelujah. Brothers, I'm standing up here today. I've got a messed up hand. I got a messed up leg. I've got a messed up, you know, whatever this sickness going around is. You know, I feel like I'm just a shell of a man walking around, you know, with a limp. Just call me, uh, uh, what's the, the Scrooge boy? Hallelujah. Tiny Tim. Yeah, praise God. I'm just, this season, I'm going to be Tiny Tim, I guess. You know, God bless us, everyone. But hallelujah. But with all that, I can look and say, one day I'm shedding this old man. One day I'm shedding this body. And I'll no longer have knee issues or issues with my hand or sickness or any of that. But I'll be able to worship the Lord around his throne. Hallelujah. I'll be able to have a glorified body. I tell you, that makes me want a celebration. That makes me want to worship. That makes me want to jump up and down and shout hallelujah because I can't wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus I can't wait praise God but the angel he tells them do not do that don't worship me I feel like this topic has come up quite a bit recently especially in our discover purpose class with brother Louise and Ken and Kavon This idea that we shouldn't worship angels. We shouldn't worship each other, right? And we shouldn't worship idols. And we shouldn't worship angels. Why? Because he's the only one that we should worship. Amen. When Jesus was asked what the most important commandment was, he said, 
The Lord thy God is one Lord. Don't have more than one Lord. Don't make angels a Lord. Don't make a, a preacher a Lord. Hallelujah. Don't make idols a Lord. Don't make drugs or alcohol your Lord. No, but you should have one Lord. And you should worship him and love him with all your heart, mind, body, and strength. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. He's the only one that we should worship. And I, I'm here to tell you that he's the only one that deserves our worship. The only one. This angel recognized and said, listen, I, I know I'm the one tasked with bringing you this great revelation and prophecy. He said, but what I bring you is not my own. Oh, praise God. What I bring you is not my own. I speak only of the testimony of Jesus, which was given to me. But the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you want to worship anyone, worship the one who produced the prophecy. The one who the prophecy is about. Hallelujah. Worship the one who created the testimony. Oh, come on now. Anybody got a testimony here today? And you can say it's only because of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus. It's only because of him I'm here. It's only because of him I'm healed. Only because of him I'm saved. It's only because of him. Says so I'm just like you. I just carry the message. But you need to worship the one that the message is about. Can I tell you, as a church, as a preacher, I'm not here to produce or to give you something that involves me. I'm here to give you what has been given to me by Christ Jesus. I'm not here to speak of my own but to speak from the Spirit of God. As a church, we're not here trying to produce something on our own. We can't do that. The Bible tells us that there, that salvation is from grace, not works. That means I didn't do anything to deserve this here today. It's only because of His grace that I stand here before you today. Only because of His grace and His mercy and His power and His love that I can stand here today. What I'm trying to say this morning is it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everything we do in this house, it needs to be all about Jesus. It needs to be all about Him. The Bible says that no man or no flesh shall glory in His presence. Why? Because it doesn't matter how good of a singer I am. Singing should only reflect Jesus. Hallelujah should only turn people to Him. My preaching should not be to glorify myself, but to turn people to the one who deserves the glory. Oh, come on, somebody say it's all about Jesus. 
It's all about Jesus. I came here today because of Jesus. I preach here today. That's why I can preach with only a few people here because it's all about him. It's not about me or you. It's about Jesus. Hallelujah. We're open because of Jesus. We're doing this because of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I know who Jesus is. And I've experienced the power of Jesus' presence and spirit in my life. Philippians 2 and 9, we know this. But let's just talk about it for a moment. Wherefore God has also also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus... Not at the name of Aaron, not at the name of higher purpose, but the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord. Can you, can you worship him right now and tell him Jesus your Lord I confess your Lord my knee bows to you and only you the Bible tells us to do all things in the name of Jesus it literally says that do all in the name of Jesus That's why we preach in the name of Jesus. And we pray in the name of Jesus. And we baptize in the name of Jesus. And we worship the name of Jesus. We teach our children the name of Jesus. We preach to the lost the name of Jesus because it's that name which must be glorified and worshiped. That's the only name that matters. Peter came to the man who was crippled. The man asked him for money. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He had the name of Jesus. He had the power of the Holy Ghost. And it doesn't matter what else he he needed. That was enough. The name of Jesus is enough. And when the Pharisees questioned Peter about it, wanting to know by what power, Acts 4, 7, or by what name have ye done this, Peter goes on to tell them, There's only one name that can do this. Oh, I wish you would hear me today. There's only one name that can heal the lame. There's only one name that can open the blinded eyes. There's only one name that can unlock the deaf ears. He says in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be. Come on, can we preach Jesus for a minute today and say he is the source of my healing 
He's the source of my blessing. He's the source of my salvation. And without him, I would be nothing. I would have nothing. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody rejoice in the name of Jesus right now. Somebody shout the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Colossians 1.13. We're going to read a few verses here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Everybody shout, Jesus. Let's try this again. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Who hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? Who has redeemed us through his blood? Who has forgiven our sins? Who is the image of the invisible God? And for by him were all things created that are in heaven and in the earth, the visible and the invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Jesus. All things were created for Jesus. He is before all things and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. You know what that word preeminence means? It means first. That Jesus would be placed first in all things. Come on. All things we do in this church, Jesus must be placed first. In every song we sing, Jesus must be placed first. In the Sunday school lessons, youth lessons, Jesus must be placed first. When we buy something, it's for Jesus. He comes first. Every sermon, it's about Jesus. Every lesson, it's about Jesus. Every Bible study, it's about Jesus. Come on, I know we all know this, but can we let it sink in our hearts again? Jesus is at the center of it all. He's first. He's first. He's first. Is he first in your life? Is he first in your life? Or are there still things in your life that comes before him? Do you place yourself first? Your needs? Your desires? See, my Bible says he knows all things that you need. Then he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. There is this phenomenon that when I ignore myself and my own needs, and I place the kingdom of God as first, that God steps in and says, okay, I'll give you all your needs. 
We can strive and pursue and fight to get money in the bank, to provide for this and do that. But at the end of the day, all we need to do is just surrender and say, Jesus, you come first. And I trust that you're going to provide every need. You're going to, oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm talking about putting Jesus first. First. And it's tough. But I can testify this week that God's blessed us. We're living off of a Dunkin' Donuts salary. And when I say salary, I mean our, my miser, miserable little hours. Hallelujah. But don't have any pity on me. Just this week, God blessed my wife with another uh, an opportunity to to work in another job and, and get a little bit more money. God blessed us. Somebody gave us a gift card. Uh, somebody not even in church at work. Somebody gave me a $50 gift card. I can tell you God provides. Hallelujah. God knows because when I put him first, uh, I'll stress and I'll sweat and I'll try to figure out what am I going to do here? How am I going to do that? When he's first, it doesn't matter. It's all in his hands. Hallelujah. When you put it first, you don't even need to stress about it. You just say, okay, God, how are you going to provide for me today? Uh, how are you going to meet my needs today. Uh, how are you going to feed my kids today? Uh, hallelujah. Come on. Is he first in your life? Are uh, you put him in him at first? And this angel makes this point. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit or essence of prophecy. He's the beginning and the ending of prophecy. Prophecy is the communication of God which produces revelation. Revelation is essential for salvation. We talked a couple weeks ago about the role of prophecy in the New Testament church. I think it's pretty important. Amen. But let's also recognize that without prophecy, none of us would be saved. Prophecy it all stems. Every prophecy in Scripture, every prophecy that's given even today must stem from Jesus Christ. He is the Spirit, the essence of prophecy. It's no wonder that the first prophecy in Scripture in Genesis 3.15 is about Jesus. It says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The Bible tells us that he has destroyed the work of the devil. That word bruise actually means to destroy. He destroyed the work of the devil, but in the process, he was bruised on his heel. That's talking about the cross. Jesus had to suffer in order to secure our salvation. The Bible is full of specific prophecies all about Jesus. One famous, of course, one that we've read quite often around here, Isaiah 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, 
His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It's all about Jesus. When he says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, this is a very broad statement. Doesn't mean just simply the foretelling of future events is the spirit or Jesus is the spirit of that, but simply the spirit of revelation that is on the earth. The knowledge that we have inherited from the very beginning. It's all been about Jesus. Hallelujah. If you were to write out all of the different details, every prophecy in the Old Testament and every prophecy in the New Testament, you were to write out every detail of the law and every detail of the book of Revelations in the New Testament, you'd see one central theme in the middle, and that's Jesus. Jesus. If you can with me, imagine today cross standing before you. This cross stands just kind of at an angle. The light shines from this direction upon that cross and behind it you see the shadow of that cross on the floor. Can you see it today standing here, the light shining on it, the shadow going across the floor? May I communicate to you that is the vision of prophecy. In fact, that is the central theme of everything. Time itself, you can see it from that very perspective of the cross, the light shining on the cross and the shadow behind it. Because... In that day when Jesus came to the earth and he died on that cross, he didn't start a new thing. He fulfilled an old thing. Hallelujah. That was a central point in time itself. That's why we changed it from B.C. to A.D. Because time itself shifted and everything before the cross we can see simply bears the shadow of the cross. And everything after the cross bears the light of the cross. Luke chapter 24 and verse 27 tells us that Jesus, beginning at Moses and the prophets, expounded unto them all the scriptures concerning himself. We're talking about the shadow. Everything behind the cross, the Bible says Jesus went from the beginning to Moses, and from there he preached all about himself, the cross. All about himself. Hebrews 10 and 1 tells us, for the law, having a shadow, everybody say shadow, 
of a good thing or good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Said everything in this timeline before the cross, everything, the judges, the kings, David, Moses, Abraham, Adam, everything before the cross, it was just an image of what was to come, a shadow. Even in the law, where God commanded them to commit sacrifices, it would appear that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was representative of the Old Testament sacrifices in the temple. But I tell you, it's flipped. Hallelujah. Salvation starts and ends with Jesus Christ. And every lamb and animal that was killed before the cross was simply just a, a, a sample of what was to come. An image of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We don't look at Jesus and say, look, he represents the sacrifices. No, we look at the sacrifices and we say they represent what is to come. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Every sacrifice, every lamb that was slain. Well, why, why'd they have to commit those animal sacrifices? We don't do it today. Why? Because they were just a stand-in for the cross. They were just trying to hold them on until the cross could come. And look at this. The Bible says that they were insufficient. That the sacrifices of lambs and goats and bulls and rams, it could only cover them for one year. Only one year. I wish I had a ball. Hallelujah. It could only cover them for one year. The Bible says he would roll it one year. The high priest would go in, make atonement for the people. God say, okay, I'm going to move their sins down one year but their sins were still there. Everything they did was still there. And the next year came and God says, okay, I'll roll it down another year. But it was sufficient. It only covered them for a period of time. It wasn't meant to be a sacrifice that would completely remove it. It was only meant to be something that would move it along. Why? Because they're trying to get to a point they're trying to get to a point in time where they would move it along. One more year, okay? We're getting closer. One more year, okay? My sins are still there. My sins are still recognized. But at least they rolled it one more year. Oh, another year. Look at that. One more year. Look at that. And then one year, the sacrifice was made of Jesus Christ. And it forgave every sin that had been rolled to the timeline because his grace covered not just those in the future but those in the past it's all about Jesus the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy oh hallelujah 
So everyone in the Old Testament, though they didn't know what they were looking at, their eyes were forward looking at the cross. They were forward looking at the cross. Hebrews 9 and 11. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, even the tabernacle, Excuse me, the tabernacle was represented of the body of Jesus Christ. But he stands for a perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Look at this. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once. Everybody say once. One time he entered into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. In the Old Testament, they just had to keep sacrificing and keep sacrificing and keep sacrificing. But the Bible says he came once. Hallelujah. Having redeemed, obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and hashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God hallelujah what they had in the old testament was insufficient but what we have in the new testament it is sufficient he was without spot and he's able to purge your conscience and remove the dead works Oh, praise God, if every person in the Old Testament uh, was looking forward to the cross, uh, I think it's only right that every new believer in the New Testament church uh, in this era that we look back uh, at the cross. (laughs) That's why you can't preach enough about the cross. And you can't sing enough about the cross because the shadow of the cross went that way. But in front, we can look back and see the glory of the Lord reflected off of the cross in our day. It's all about Jesus. Somebody say, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. If we could stand here today. Spirit of prophecy. We see how even our salvation is wrapped up in the testimony of Jesus Christ. The gospel. I believe the testimony is the gospel. It may not be reserved primarily to the gospel, but the gospel is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at this. Look at this. Today, when we repent... We're partaking in the cross. 
when we are baptized, we're partaking in the burial. And when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we're partaking in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, everything pointed to the cross. Everything. Their salvation, their redemption, it pointed to the cross. Look, in the New Testament, it's all pointing back to the cross. Repentance, baptism, and the Holy Ghost. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Today, I don't, I, maybe I'm not bringing any great revelation, but can we just get back in our hearts and say it's all about Him? There's that old song, beautiful song. says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about Him. We need church to be about Him again. We need salvation to be about Him again. We need our life to be about Him again. We need our worship to be about Him again. So I want to invite you down to this altar to make a commitment. Jesus, I'm going to make it all about you again. Lord God, it's not about me. It's not about my abilities, my strength. Jesus, I make it about you. I want my life, Lord God, to reflect the cross. Lord, I put you first. If there's anything in your life today that has been put first or you feel God convicting you, would you go ahead and tell him right now, God, I put it behind me. I put it behind you. Lord, you come first in my life, Jesus. <laughs> you come first, Jesus. You come first, Lord God. You come before my job. You come before my finances. You come before my health. You come before my family. You come before my church. God, you're first. You're first. You're first. <laughs>